Hey, this is Tolly Wilkins of Captivate Church, and we're so glad you've joined us on our podcast today. This is one way that we can take our message from Baltimore all across the world. We pray that today encourages you, inspires you to become the man or woman that God's designed you to be. I got a call on Tuesday, and it's from a friend, and uh, I answer the phone, and he just yells out, I just bought a king cake. And I, <laughs> I said, what? I just bought a king cake. I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And he goes, Tolly, I I, I bought a king cake. You see, today is Fat Tuesday. And I just got this king cake because tomorrow is Ash Wednesday. And you got to have parties on Fat Tuesday before Ash Wednesday because everything gets serious on, on Ash Wednesday. And he's just walking me through how all this works. And he said, now... Some people, they take a little too far, and they get all their sins out on Fat Tuesday. I'm not going there, but man, I'm partying on Fat Tuesday. I bought a king cake. I said, bro, I don't even know what it, this, this whole thing is. And he, He's from New Orleans, and so it, this is his jam. Like, this is his Super Bowl, his Christmas, everything wrapped in one. It celebrates. He's in a different part of the country that's not New Orleans, and so he just wants to make sure everybody knows about the king cake. And then he continues, and he's like, you know, the king cake. It's this giant donut that has a baby inside. I said, what? He said, it's like this giant donut that has a baby inside. I was like, why is there a baby inside a cake? He goes, don't worry about it. The thing is, is that when you eat the cake, somebody's going to get the baby. I was like, yeah, I figured that out. I'm a little worried about this baby. And he goes, no, it's cool because when, if you get the piece that has the baby in it, then, then you could be declared king. And the responsibility is that you throw the next party. He said, but I'm hoping I get it today because you don't throw another party for another year. And so if I get it, I could be king for a year. <laughs> this is all he was telling me. And I'm like, what is the point of this phone call? And as I, I thought, I was like, he's actually right with all this goofiness. The, the, the next day, you turn on the TV, and then there's the season of Lent. And um, many of our, our Catholic friends and um, Episcopal and some others, they will um, declare a 40-day a fast, essentially, is what Lent is. Now, um, it's not a biblical command so I tend not to do things as best as I can that aren't there in the Bible but the practices um, are biblical the the ideas of of fasting and prayer and things and so the idea is that you prepare there's a preparation time getting your heart right before you as we approach good Friday and so I've never done a series like this before but I thought that uh, the principles biblically are there and all of us could use. In the past, we've done uh, 40-day fasts as a church and we've done Daniel plan and we've done some things together. And so while we're not championing a particular way um, this year, I just thought teaching about those principles and preparing our hearts as we approach uh, Good Friday and Easter would be good for all of us. And so today, I want to draw your attention to uh, a passage in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Now obviously Paul has this uh, relationship with 
Timothy, where Timothy's kind of the son in the faith, and Paul has um, risen him up to be a leader in the church. And so there's these, this dialogue that goes down between mentor and mentee. And so we're jumping in uh, a little bit of the way down, but I wanted to hone in on this preparation aspect of what Timothy has to offer us. So we're in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2. Now the first section, um, on a different day, different topic, I totally walk through and, and, and uh, break it all apart. Um, but essentially, if I was to, to sum it up, um, it's, hey, know and live good theology, um, but don't be a jerk about it. Know and live good theology, but don't be a jerk about it. And so we come up to this place to where there's some dispute inside of the church. There's apparently, apparently two uh, gentlemen running around saying, hey, the resurrection already happened. And people are like, what? I was supposed to go. And so they're really torn up. And so uh, Paul's uh, writing to Timothy and he's like, hey, you got to have your, your doctrine in line. Get that all together. Um, and he says, but don't get into fights over words. All you're doing is you're letting this bad stuff spread like gangrene. Like, don't um, get yourself worked up and into that fighting. And so he moves on to talk about the fact that inside of the house of God, there are always going to be um, those that are doing things honorably and those that are um, dishonorable. And really, that's what I want to focus in on today is this um, passage that focuses in on this preparation that has to happen inside of the house of God. So verse 19 says, but God's firm foundation stands bearing the seal the Lord knows. Everybody say, the Lord knows. The Lord knows who are His. The Lord knows. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Depart from iniquity. Now, in a great house, everybody say great house. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. Some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. If you're jotting notes down today, I want you to write this down. Our potential might be great, but our purpose may be poor. Our potential might be great, but our purpose might be poor. You see, the author is starting off, Paul's starting off, and he's like, listen, there, there are going to be problems. The Lord knows who are His. Like, you, you guys want to go around and fight and, and get in a sword fights and all that. The Lord knows who are his. Your issue has to be on you. And so he's going to talk and he's going to get inward with Timothy and the instructions Timothy is to give the church to say, hey, don't get into all these battles, but you do have to get right with the Lord. You have to be sure that you're living out the purpose for which God designed you. And he said, in a great house. So he's using this illustration um, between um, um, a master's house a, a great, a wealthy person's house. In a great house, there will be these objects made of gold and silver. And they're also um, made of wood. And so in all of that, he says, hey, and wood and clay. And he says, some are for honorable use. Some are for dishonorable. The question that we have to pose there for us is, is it, you know what? What am I being used for? How am I allowing that this vessel that God designed to be used? How am I allowing the vessel that God designed to be used in this world? Now, there's a reading when you go through and read the commentaries on this passage. What you'll find is that there's kind of a, a simplistic reading to just say, oh, well, he's just saying that, that the gold and the silver automatically 
um, mean that you're used for honorable. And the wood and the clay, it means you're just, you know, it's dishonorable uses. But it doesn't line up. That's kind of a lazy approach to the text because it doesn't line up for the, the, the bringing home of the lesson. Because the lesson has less to do about you changing who you are structurally. If you're a wood pot, you can't turn around and change yourself into gold. That's not the lesson. But the lesson really does have to do what goes inside of those containers. In Kenya, there are outhouses. In West Virginia, where my, uh, my, I have one side, great something removed, and we would go up and visit, and there, are, there was an outhouse. And in those are usually some kind of a bucket or container. And so this illustration that you're about to see in the text is essentially taking something of, of uh, value and using it in an inappropriate way, in a way that decreases the, the, the value of the object. And so Tim, he's talking to Timothy and saying, hey, you know what? The issue here and the focus here is less even about the, the objects and what they're made for, but rather the use. And so when you look at it, you have to ask myself, what am I designed for and what am I living for? Am I living out the potential that was instilled in me by the master? You see, what he said is he said all of us, we must depart from iniquity. If we're in Christ, we've got to get rid of the iniquity. Therefore, it's less about how people view what you're made of, but how you allow yourself to be used. When I, I look at people's lives and I talk to people, and most of us, we spend far too much time on the body image side we spend far too much time on, am I tall? Am I short? Am I overweight? Am I underweight? Am I this? Am I that? And we spend all this time on the body. But spiritually speaking, we're to be spending that time and that energy and that concern on how am I using this body that God gave me? How am I using the body that God gave me? The vessel of God that, that, I am, that I can be, is it being used for that? One major way we should prepare is to begin to think about the resurrection it is to ask if we're living up to our potential. Not in our accomplishments, but in our pursuits. Not in what we put out, but in rather what we put in. The point of this passage is to challenge us to look and ask, are we being used as God designed? Let me ask you, church, who are you in light of the resurrection? Are you living out that purpose? Who are you in because of the resurrection? Because if you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, if you haven't, if you haven't trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, that's one question. But if you have trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, are you living out that resurrection life? You see, when you receive Christ and you move into heaven, when you move into eternity, eternity is now for you. And you and I are to be living a life that resembles eternity now. Not when we get there, not later, not when every knee bows down. Right now, we're supposed to be living that out. So the question is, how did God design you? And are you living that out today as we approach resurrection, as we approach Good Friday? May we approach that season and say, Lord, how am I designed? And am I living out your purpose right now? The text goes on in verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, 
He will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. If anyone would cleanse himself from what is dishonorable, he'll be a vessel for honorable use. Let me pause for a second. This is why I say that I believe the interpretation about Um, gold and silver versus wood and clay is really overblown. The text isn't getting into, hey, if you'll just stop using yourself for dishonorable things, you'll become gold. That's not what the text is teaching us. The text is saying is that, that there are objects in the home that though they may be designed for one thing, are being misused, being designed and or being used for something different. And so whether you're gold on the outside and everybody's like, hey, look at you. Or whether you're just, well, I'm just a simple clay pot. The issue that's being discussed here has nothing to do with what the object is made of, but rather how the object is allowing themselves to be used. And you and I spend far too much time talking about the outside. We in the scriptures over and over and over, what do you see? The message is that the Lord doesn't judge from the outside like we do. The Lord looks at the what? The heart. The Lord looks inside. The Lord looks at the heart and says, hey, I made Tolly. Is Tolly living up to the design that I had in mind when I put him on planet Earth? And you could fill in your name there. Am I living up to the design that God gave me? It's not about whether or not I look great on the outside and I'm gold and I'm silver or I'm wood and I'm clay. It's not about that. The text is talking about, you know what? It's about your usage. Are you allowing whatever God gave you to be used by God for good or for bad, honorable or dishonorable things? And so there's this preparation of the heart that has to take place to where we look and we honestly go, man, I don't know what's lining up with the Lord and what's lining up with the flesh. And when you learn, when you start to see that, you go, yeah, That is not a usage that God wants from me. Then the scripture says, therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be. Everybody say he will be. be. For you ladies, she will be right. He will be. A vessel for honorable use. You see, too many times we're focused on what we look like on the outside. What do people think of me? What's the image I'm carrying? How am I going to be known? What's my reputation? And we're so focused on that. And the Lord says, no, 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 I need your heart. I I need you to look inside and ask, are you being used for honorable or dishonorable purposes? And there's good news. There's good news that goes along with this. The good news is that God is still in the redemption business. That's some good news. Amen? I'll amen myself. Amen? So, that's good news. It's good news to look and just go, hold on here. So, you mean that I can be used for honorable purposes no matter what kind of a body I'm holding, no matter if I'm tall or I'm short, or if, I'm, if I'm good at math or if I'm great at sports, like God can use me for honorable purposes, no matter what that design is on the outside, no matter if I fall sick and fall, fall ill, no matter if all of a sudden I can't use one of my limbs, am I still useful? Yes. 
You see, so many times we view ourselves in light of our physical bodies and God looks and says, no, 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 I'm just looking for a useful vessel. I'm just looking for a vessel that's going to be used by me for honorable things, for godly things, for eternal things. Invest your life in things that are eternal because those are the things that matter. And God looks and he says, look, Saul, you're so focused on whether or not you're a clay pot or whether or not you're a wood pot or whether or not you're silver, or whether or not you're gold. But do you know how to be used by me in a great way? Do you know how to fulfill your life's potential? Do you know how to, to, to be in the master's house of good use? It is to cleanse yourself. Cleanse yourself from the dishonorable. Pursue the honorable. God's in the redemption business. The whole Easter story is about redemption. The gospel is a, a story of the good news that God redeems people. And so at one point, you may have used your vessel for bad and dishonorable things. There's an opportunity to cleanse. To cleanse out the inside and say, Lord, I repent of that. I don't want to be used like that anymore. I want to be used. I want people over time when they see me, I want them to see me as an honorable person, a godly person. I, I remember, I've told you guys, when I came back home uh, to Baltimore after being away at college and ministries in Texas and Virginia, and when my old high school friends started to find out I was coming back to the area, I remember so many that were just like, you're a what? And because in one season of life, I was filling myself with all the dishonorable. And I was living out of dishonor. And then over time, God allowed me to refill my life, my priorities. And so now I pray that as people get around me and know me, they could say, hey, that guy's just trying to seek out the Lord. He's not perfect, but he's trying to be filled and overflowed with the Lord. And, and so you and I are, are in the same boat in the sense that you and I, we can always go back and repent. We can always go back and say, Lord, I want to empty myself out of the dishonorable and I want to live for you. You see what the Apostle Paul tells Timothy, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for how much? Every good work. Every good work. Some of you have disqualified yourself from doing great things for God because you've looked and you just go, no, no, no. I remember when I was carrying the dirty water. I, I remember when I was using my life in, in such a despicable way. I, I can't even speak what I was using my life. I, if I could tell you the stories, Pastor. But the reality is the scripture doesn't say that you need to be a gold chalice that everybody looks at and says, man, look at how beautiful. It doesn't say that the master is most interested in on the outside and, and whatever, it's gold and silver and, and clay or wood. That's not what the master's in. The mattress, master is interested in the usefulness for the honorable things. And no matter what you bring to the table, are you willing to cleanse your inside out and be used? By God for the good things. God is more concerned with the inside than the outside. God is more concerned with the inside than the outside. 
We are often the opposite. We're concerned with the outside. Now, the good news is you can cleanse yourself. Here are three things I want you to write down. If you're jotting notes today or you can take a picture of the screen. Three things I want you to write down. This is a pattern and practice you can put yourself in as you approach Good Friday, as you approach Easter, and you say, Lord, I'm, I'm not necessarily on that, that Lent deal. I don't fully understand all that, but I am about preparing my heart for you. I am about making this relationship right with you. I am about dumping out the dishonorable and filling up with honorable. And these are three biblical practices that you can live out today. Repentance. Repentance. I'm going to turn from the old, repentance is a military term. It simply means to turn around a 180, march the other way. And so repentance is a process where you look back and you say, Lord, what is defiling in me? Lord, what is dishonorable in me? And Lord, help me to repent. Help me to repent. Repentance. Lord, I am sorry. I'm broken. This is a sinful behavior. This is a part of me I'm not proud of. This is, this is what you had to die for. And that's how you could check it. Pastor, how do I know if it's something that I need to be repentant from? Let me ask you this. Did Jesus have to die for that? Is that a part of your pattern and practice and behavior that, that you look back and you go, yeah, the Lord had to die for that? Well, you repent. You say, Lord, I want to lay that down. Prayer, seeking God for new. So not only do, do I, I turn away in repentance, and of course repentance is prayer, but there's a continual prayer that says, Lord, now that I'm turning away from that pattern and practice, that behavior, that way of living, that, that shameful carrying of dishonesty, of dishonest living, Lord, I'm turning away from that. Lord, I need to replace this with new. I need to replace this with you. So an ongoing prayer life, a prayer life that, that morning, noon, and night, you constantly, the Scripture says, in communion with God, in prayer on a regular basis. Most of us, we have this, this conversation in our heads with ourselves. Throughout the day, Tolly's talking to Tolly. Some benefit, I guess. But what would be the best conversation for Tolly to be having? Lord, I'm about to walk into this meeting. Lord, I'm, a, I'm about to deal with this situation. Lord, I'm about to. Do I get it right? No. But you and I, we can say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to repent. And then I'm going to pray. I'm going to develop a, a prayer life. I'm going to be found on my knees. I'm going to be seeking the Lord on a regular basis, asking him to fill me with something new. And then fasting. Fasting. I'm going to abstain from the old in favor of the new. Now, fasting, many of us know fasting to be uh, a short term a day, two days, three days, or maybe even a, a longer 30, 40 day fast. And we fast from an object to draw us closer to God. The fasting that I'm talking about is, is understanding that that temptation to be pulled right back into that same sin is going to be there. And so there has to be a spiritual wall built up to where you say, Lord, I am fasting. I am breaking away from that part of life. When I was a, a teenager, in my late teens, I, I realized that there were certain times of the evening where if I hung out with certain friends, I was bound to get in trouble. And so as a late teen, I started to make rules for myself. I didn't need anybody to tell me. I just started to say, you know what? When I go here at this time with these people, I always fail. I always mess up. And so instead of going and allowing myself to continue to be face-to-face -face and face-to-face with my temptation, I'm going to break from that. 
And so you and I, we have to look at our lives and just say, Lord, I I want to repent. Lord, I want to pray and seek you. But I also want to, to, to fast. I want to pull away from. Now, the second type of fasting is the more traditional. Maybe what you need to do is take a, a, a period of time in the next 40 days before you, get to, um, before you get to Good Friday, before you get to Resurrection Sunday. And maybe you need to take some time and say, you know, Lord, I, I, I just want to seek you. I need a jump start on this thing. And so, I'm gonna, Lord, I'm going to give you, I'm gonna give you a, a day. I'm going to give you one day. And then I'm going to give you three days. Maybe I'll give you seven days, but I'm going to give you some time, Lord, to where it's just going to be me and you. And every time that I want, let's say you fast from food for a while. Let's say you say I'm only going to eat between certain hours of the day. Every time you have that that pool that says, hey, go back. Maybe you fast from uh, sugar. Maybe you fast from electronics. Every time you have that pool inside where the flesh says, I want what I want. It gives you an opportunity to go to the Lord and say, Lord, Lord, I'm doing this for you. Draw me close, Lord. Open up scripture. Get into prayer. Call a friend who understands what you're going through and say, hey, can you pray for me right now on the phone? It's essentially the purpose of why the design or what the design of Lent is for. The problem is, is that Lent has, has taken such a cultural shift for a lot of people that, that it's not as um, meaning because it's not really a spiritual thing as much as it is a social thing. And so I'm not asking you to jump on any kind of bandwagon, and I don't practice um, that myself, but I am saying the ideas, the substance underneath of it all are good substance. The idea of prayer, the idea of repentance, the idea of fasting, all of these are great things that will draw you to the Lord if you'll allow them. And so it goes on. It says, hey, it doesn't matter what, what the design is, that you could be used for honorable or dishonorable. You have a chance to clean out the inside if you want to be used by the master, and the master will use you. It doesn't say the master is only going to use gold. It doesn't say that at all. It just says that if it's a clean object, if it's cleansed on the inside, if it's able to be used for honorable things, the master will use it for every good purpose. God is looking for a good vessel. Not a gold vessel. God is looking for a good vessel. Not a gold vessel. But so it goes on in verse 22 and says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord from a what? Pure heart. Write this down today. Purity is aligning this temporary life To my eternal one. Purity is aligning this temporal life to my eternal one. Purity is saying, is your will on earth as it is in heaven, but make it personal, your will in Tali as it is in heaven. God, I want your will to take place. God, I want your your will and your way over my life. God, I want you to, to, to use me for the Master's glory. God, I want you to use me for things that are honorable. God, I want my life to count the way you designed it would count, not the way I'm trying to make everything count. And so you and I might look to the Lord and say, you know what, Lord? I want you to find any broken thing in me, anything that should not be there, and let's remove it. But how do we get there? The Scripture says, so flee youthful passions. Can everybody say flee Flee. Flee. Run away. When you look at Scripture, there are so many times that the Scripture says, be strong and courageous. 
After you've done everything, keep standing. And these passages are fabulous. And we look at them and we're just like, yeah. If I got the Holy Spirit on my side, I'm just charging out with a water pistol. Yeah. But there's this place in the Bible where it says, you know what? You, I, don't even, I don't want you to stand, Tolly. I don't want you to run into hell. I don't want you to, to face this. That's not what I want for you. There's this place where it says, you know what, what I want for you? I want you to flee some things. I couldn't help in my prep but to think of Mighty Python. Run away, run away, run away. But there are some things that the Lord wants you to run away from. What are those things? Youthful passions. Uncontrolled, unbridled, unreasoned behavior that is unchecked. And it simply responds to impulse instead of intent. These are the things that the Lord wants you to dump out of your life. Uncontrolled, unrestrained, unrefined, unthoughtful. The Lord just says, you know what? Flee youthful passions. Many of us get ourselves in trouble when, when it's just that our impulses take over. Just our passions, just I want, this is how I feel. And we just let it come to the surface and it overflows out. And the Lord says, no, 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 I want you to flee that stuff. When you look back on the, your biggest sin battles, I guarantee you, you're going to find some youthful passions. When you look back at your biggest sin battles, you're going to find some youthful passions. You're going to find some places to where you say, you know what? Wow, I was really self-indulgent there. So flee those youthful passions. When you're in prayer, when you're repenting, flee those youthful passions. And pursue what? Pursue is, is an intentionally based approach where, you, where you're intending to uh, go after a target. You're pursuing. In relationships, you know, the, the husband pursued the wife, the boyfriend pursued the girlfriend, the pursuit, the chase. So I need to flee some things in my life. But if I want my life to count for something, I need to pursue some new things. Sometimes we look at changing our life up as only getting rid of stuff. And that feels real boring because we just kind of feel like, well, now that I got rid of that habit I had, now that I got rid of those people that I was with, now that I got rid of doing that thing, what do I do now? And so you sit around for like three hours and then you go back to the bad habit. Or you sit around a couple of days and you go back to that old person. And you find yourself there or there again. And then you're in Romans 7 territory, knowing the good that you ought to do and not doing it. and Doing the stuff you know you shouldn't be doing. But what you need to do is say, hey, I'm fleeing that youthful garbage. But I'm also going to find me something righteous to chase. I'm going to pursue something with my life. My life's going to count. My life's going to matter. I'm going to align the rest of my life up to a few things. It says righteousness, living holy. Faith, I'm going to trust in Jesus. Love, get this, love. And peace, which means balance or wholeness, the way that God designed, shalom. Along with those, do this, along with those who call on the Lord from a what? A pure heart. A pure heart, which means that some live inside of the master's house with a defiled heart. Now, I know that's going to be news to you. I know that's going to be a shocker. 
But the truth is, is that in, in every assembly of the Christian body, the Scriptures are concerned with the fact that there are people that are living with a defiled heart that aren't surrendered to the Lord, that haven't given themselves over to pursue righteousness and love and peace. But rather, there are people that are living with a depraved heart, an unclean heart, a broken heart. But church, this week, as we approach Good Friday in a few weeks, as you think about your life and my life, as we think about our lives, we can, pursue, or we can prepare our hearts by repairing our passions. We can prepare our hearts by repairing our passions. Go to the Lord this week and say, Lord, I want to repent of things that aren't honoring you. I want to repent of attitudes. I want to repent of habits. And what I want to do is I want to turn around and I want to begin pursuing something. I want to pursue righteousness. I want to pursue love. I want to pursue hope. I want to pursue these things. I want to be used for God's glory in His house. The Lord looks at you and says, you know, Tali, by all the world's accounts, you're, you're just a clay pot. You're not that gold pot that's shining up there on the mantle. You're, you're not, the, not even the silver. And it'd probably be better if you were made out of wood, but you're not. You are what you are. But instead of spending all your time worried about trying to look like the gold pot, why don't you understand that the Lord's concerned with what's on the inside? And whether you're clay or wood or silver or gold, the Lord can use you. It says for every good work. You know what that means? That means if you view yourself as a clay pot, the Lord can use you for exactly what he uses a gold pot for. You view yourself as a wooden pot that's got cracks and maybe not good for holding water. No, no, the Lord can use you for what he uses the gold pot for. We're too busy concerned with what people view us on the outside. And the Lord is looking for some men and women that he can use for his purposes. But he's looking at the inside. And so as we look to this day in a couple of weeks where we're going to celebrate the resurrection and tell the whole world we love Jesus, as we're preparing for that, shall we not prepare our hearts? Shall we not cleanse our hearts of the broken and pursue new passions towards Jesus so that we might be used in a great, great way for the kingdom of God? No longer should you accept the excuse, well, I'm not a gold vase. Well, I'm not a gold pot. I'm just a whatever. The Lord doesn't have any just whatevers. The Lord has those that are used by Him for His good work. Let's pray.